Hello and welcome back to the Football Faithful Podcast. My name's Sam Steen and it's good to be back everyone. It's been too long since we had an OG edition of the pod out, but luckily it just means that there's plenty to chat about, uh, both on and off the field. Joining me as always to do that is Peter Henry. Hi Peter. How are you lads? Not too bad. And uh, Anthony Kelly's there as well. Hi Ant. Alright lads. Very good. Right, let's start as we always do with the moment of the week. Peter, what you got? Yeah, I think we, we've kept the opening segment moment of the week VAR free all the time, but VAR gave me a, 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 yeah gave me the lols this weekend. Um, it was just it was in the the Burnley v Bournemouth game. So poor old Bournemouth having a tough season, struggling away down the bottom of the league in real danger of being relegated, and um, they'd already had one goal ruled out by VAR, a Josh King. Uh, strike from a corner it was it was disallowed because of a Philip Phillips handball and then they go 1-0 down there's a there's a lofted cross kind of aimless cross going to the back post kind of hits off Adam Smith ball's cleared up the pitch Callum Wilson to Harry Wilson good finish they think they're back in the game 1-1 VAR goes back and looks at the ball striking Adam Smith and it's a weird one I don't know what he was thinking but the ball seems to kind of hit him on the top of the arm a penalty is awarded and in the space of of a few seconds Bournemouth go from thinking they've equalised to being 2-0 down it was just absolute comedy um, it's, it's kind of the nightmare situation for the VAR people isn't it it's it's the hypothetical they never thought could happen well no I wouldn't say it. you know it, it's it's perfectly Reasonable that it could happen. Like, you remember that... The, that they the Liverpool... hoped wouldn't happen anyway. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. You know, it, it is what it is. If there, if there was a foul committed earlier on in the play, you remember the kind of Aguero handball in the Liverpool game when Liverpool beat Man City earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. That would have... Fabinho strikes and in, in, shoots, scores. It, that could... if, if a, When they went back and looked at the Aguero, the handball, um, that would have real, realistically been... I think it was Trent Alexander-Arnold. That would have been, you know, Liverpool going from thinking they're one nil up to Man City having a penalty. Now we know Man City's, you know, penalty taking record. They probably would have missed it. But yeah, I did, that's it's not the It's just that situation can happen. Um, it's just it's it's a bit bonkers to happen and very funny to see. You know? I, I wonder in that situation, are you better off if the keeper saves it once you've gone down the other end and knocks it out for a corner? At least you've got like position. Are they going to go back and check it then, or? Um, yeah, I'm not sure when the. I mean, it's a good question. I'm not sure exactly when the cutoff point is. Sam, what like phases of play or or whatever. Um, as far as I know, they just have to. Because technically, with the Liverpool one, when a goal goes in, it's a break and play as well, and they still went yeah. back and looked at it. So, yeah, I, I I still think even if you know if it had gone out for a corner, then uh, yeah, it can, they can still happen. But. Uh, it was it, it was very funny. I was trying to say it in a humorous way, but you kind of ruined it with a very serious <laughs> serious debate there, Sam. So thanks very much. I didn't have a very good week, so you know it just just ruined it for me now. That's that's what we're here for. And I don't know if anybody any of you caught the Man City uh, Leicester Man City game on Saturday. That was actually quite a decent match. Um, it was a bit of a Riyad Mahrez masterclass. Uh, the performance you'd, you'd think Leicester would have known all about how to how he plays and. If there's any way of containing him, you thought a team like Leicester might have an idea, but he was just in his brilliant best form. Um, and I just love his little through ball into Gabriel Jesus for the winning uh, for the winning goal right at the end of the game. You, it's it's not if you look at it, you know you think oh, there's not much to that, but then if you look at the replay, 
And look, look at his run. Look at how he's timing it. He's got a couple of Leicester players backing off in front of him. You know, obviously, in his peripheral vision, he can probably see Jesus making the run and holding his line. And I just, what I love sometimes about football is when you see something like that, it's so simple in its execution. But you see so many players mess it up. Um, like, like just bollocks up the pass or put too much weight on it or do you release at the wrong time for the pass and it all goes a bit cockeyed and wide. But um, Mares is just such a silky footballer and like just the weight and the timing of the release of the ball and he's running and you you, you know you, you just know he's going to do something brilliant and yeah it was it was just lovely lovely goal really uh, really simplistic but just a gorgeous through ball to him and uh, doesn't sound much but if you just watch it again you, you you can appreciate it for what it is one of those moments where you just have to watch it again and just sort of slowly pause for contemplation as you watch it think of beauty like you know really good. Well, uh, kudos for you for uh, not going with one of the Fabianski fuck-ups or Mane's uh, late winner, but um, we, we, I guess we'll start there. We'll start with the league leaders and uh, champions in waiting. That's Liverpool who continued their unbelievable winning ri- winning run by beating uh, a fairly sorry or an unlucky West Ham. It's it's which which way would you put it? Were they a sorry West Ham or were they unlucky? Unlucky they were. I thought the um, they, they really came on us actually. Um, they obviously did. The, the second goal to make it 2-1, it was only the second shot on target that they'd had. So you you could argue that they hadn't done much in terms of attacking threat, but um, the likes of Declan Rice and Martin Noble, they were really flying into tackles and harrying us and releasing the ball quickly to the forward players. Um, it, it, they actually, it, it was a really spirited performance. Um, in a way, as a West Ham fan, you'd probably watch it um, you know, in hindsight of the results, obviously you, you want to see your team play well, regardless. But I've seen West Ham a few times this season, and you'd be annoyed if you're a West Ham fan because you can see them play that well against Liverpool, who are you know flying at the moment, haven't lost a home game in 25 years or whatever it is, and you know they just they really give us a bit of a scare. And there were times when the defence was a bit sort of run ragged by them. Um, Gomez made a couple of mistakes and. Looked a bit ropey a couple of times. And obviously, Prince Alexander-Arnold was bombing forward, but there was no Henderson to cover him down the right. Henderson's brilliant to do, and that he will tuck in and, and drop into that sort of full-back position to allow Trent to get forward. So, you know, I, I think he played on a couple of things, um, West Ham. And obviously, the two goalkeeping errors, you know, the Fabianski howler for Salah was pretty bad, but he also should have kept that Wijnaldum's header. So, you know, the fine margins in which you you can turn a football game and indeed your season. But if you're a West Ham fan, you want to see those performances against your Brightons and your, your Burnleys and your Bournemouths and just hasn't happened for them in them kind of games. But um, fair play to them because they, they give us a good game. I mean, we had to, um, we, we did dig deep there. Obviously, you know, there's all talk of the uh, the mentality that Klopp's brought in um, this season and, what I would say is, it's the first time, I think, watching them, probably since the Man United game at Old Trafford, um, where I thought they looked bloody nervous. Um, the, the first half was flat. The atmosphere in the ground, and I think that was transcending down to the pitch. The players were absorbing that a little bit. Um, I, I don't know what it is, whether it's because they are only, well, going into that game, they were five games away from winning the league. And maybe the reality of that is sinking in. I don't know, maybe that's, that's me spinning it too much. But there has been a winter break as well, and obviously you now Jordan Henderson. So there's a couple of other things, but he genuinely looked a bit nervous. And there was there was a moment in the start of the second half when Trent Alexander-Arnold played Firmino through on the edge of the box, and he had so much time, lads. I don't know if you saw it, but he, he had time to pick a, pick his corner. You know, he really had 
just all the time in the world. And he, he skied her over the bar by about 10 yards. And it was just kind of sort of symptomatic of how we were playing at that particular point in the match. Um, obviously, Oxlade Chamberlain comes on for Cater and immediately took us up a level. Uh, he gave us a bit more bite from midfield, a bit more forward thrust. But he also kind of, I think his attitude was right. I think we weren't playing badly. We, just, we were just overhitting balls and we were trying to rush things a little bit. Um, whereas he was, he looked a bit calmer. He was, he was getting into the game, but he was, he was giving us a bit more sort of composure um, from that second midfield three as well, which was really important because Cater had kind of shrunk back a little bit in the match. So I think it really did turn with him coming on, um, which again is a, a wonderful sign of the strength and depth that we've got. But um, yeah, it was it was a bit hit and miss at times. I'm just glad we got that uh, that late goal because although we are so close now, uh, you don't want to start dropping points because City look like they're clicking back into gear a oh, little bit. Get lost with your 22 form. point lead. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, no. As, as I said the other day, Sam, it would take something. It would take something almost farcical for us not to do it from here. But at the same time, you know, what I've always said on these pods is we haven't lost a game for so long. We've barely even dropped points for so long. It's the psychology of it. So it's, again, it's, it's all about managing that. And I think last night for glimpses of it with, with the first time that I saw genuine nerves in the team. So I think that was quite a big win, not really to settle things down. Uh, not too many questions, I don't think, Peter, about, you know, what, what's going to happen with Liverpool for the rest of the season. Maybe in the Champions League, but we can chat about that another time. But uh might be worth a, a quick mention about West Ham. I mean, they're, they're down there. They're third from bottom. Are they going to go down? I think there's a very big chance they could, Sam. I, I know they like Gan said, I think they can be they can definitely take some positives from, from yesterday's performance. They didn't just kind of go there and, and trying to sit back. They they had a go. Um, but yeah, I, I think I just they have a very, very talented squad, but they, they just haven't really clicked. There's a couple of players there that maybe look like they aren't really up for that kind of relegation scrap scrap. Um you know, their whole you know, a lot of the time a team struggling at the bottom of the league will try and rely on their home form it's it's well publicized you know west ham's home ground now doesn't have the best stadium the club itself fans don't like the, the manager or sorry they don't like the board the owners and um, the fans also you know weren't particularly pleased with, with david moyes which is a bizarre decision you know bringing him back considering they basically said you know we had higher aspirations whatever 18 months before when they when they let him go and brought in Manuel Pellegrini, so you know they've they've a that was a they've a tough run of games, come a few fixtures coming up. I, I I really I would be very fearful if I was a West West Ham um, fan because I think David Moyes isn't the most inspiring coach. There seems to be almost yeah I think he's an he's another one that maybe his football has been left behind a little bit. Um, he was a very he did a fantastic job at Everton. There's no denying that. But, you know, he, he kind of comes from that era of coaches, I think. Like, even you'd even kind of include Mourinho. Not that David Moyes was ever in, in the same class as Mourinho, but kind of that band of coaches that maybe don't necessarily have a place in, in the modern game. And, yeah, it's just everything that's been around him that he's be, kind of become this kind of joke figure amongst a lot of football fans you know players aren't you know players will have seen all that they'll be aware of that I don't think he's the most inspirational coach so I I, 
I'd be really, really fearful for them. I, I think that they've spent a lot of money as well. It'll be an absolute disaster for them to go down. They've they've spent huge money. I think they spent a hundred hundred gave Manuel Pellegrini something like a hundred and eighty million to spend, and um, they, they look completely disjointed. I, granted, they were good against Liverpool, but they've been abject. Um, apart from his first game in, when I think they bet Bournemouth three or four nil. Apart from that, they they they've been really really poor. So I. I I texted into the WhatsApp group about three weeks ago. I think, um, they were three to one to go down, and I said I'd advise you all to put a, a a tidy few pound on West Ham going down. I was just looking at their run of fixtures, playing a lot of top six teams and that, and um, yeah, I I, I think they will, Sam. That's that's well, a very one of the things. Uh, one of the things I'd say, Peter, I mean, it's probably a, a discussion for a different podcasts or another night, but. There is there is kind of that throwaway line about Moyes doing this fantastic job at Everton, but maybe I'm maybe I'm being hypercritical or overthinking things. But I I would say he didn't he did a fantastic job to a point at yeah. Everton. But I would say he's largely again maybe I'm being too harsh, but I do think he's culpable to an extent in some like the plateauing at Everton over the past sort of two decades. Um, he, he were in a right sorry state when he took over, and that. Achievement to get them fourth in the league, and he did in in um, oh four five was phenomenal. Not taking anything away, but he never gone under him. And it, it, when he took over at Man United, his record against um, he'd never won had he at Liverpool, Arsenal, Man U, or Chelsea in any of those um, games he was ever to manage. Now, obviously at West Ham, that's not kind. Of, that's not the biggest thing to concern yourself about. But you have to worry that is, as you say, is he this inspiring coach? Does he can he instill a mentality? into a group of players when they were in a relegation fight because, you know, he was at Everton for all those years and, and he, they, they couldn't win the big games there and I still think now Everton have got a, bit, a problem in big matches and I think that's kind of a hangover from his era so whether he, whether he will take them down is you know, I just don't think he is the right coach. Yeah, and I, like I'd agree with you, like he was never good enough to be getting the, the, the Man United job and I'm not trying to say he was a, a top you know, world-class coach or anything, but no. he did have a really good record there. He had them competing, you know, in around fifth, sixth, even four couple was, of seasons. It wasn't all the time, though. It, it, it wasn't all the time. They did yo-yo quite dramatically. They, they would stuck him at the table for a lot of the time he was there, Yeah, uh, he, which, which, again, is an improvement, but it was mediocre, really. Yeah, well, and he won manager of the year, I think, three times. So, he, like, he did do a good job there over, considering that he wouldn't have had the same budget. I would agree. Like, I'm not trying to say he's world-class, but... You know, no. you win a manager of the year, you're doing a good job. Unless Fergie was rigging the votes, I don't know. But you know, he did a he did a reasonable job with a club that wasn't financially competing. You know, if anybody else took a, like Everton, Everton didn't have the money then that Everton have now. You know, to take a club comparatively in terms of the budget to be finishing, you know, in the you know kind of sixth, seventh, fifth, whatever. That that was a decent achievement there, but there's no, my point would be more that like his tactics were were pretty yeah. rudimentary then. You know, it was kind of get the ball into the box to Cahill or Fellaini. That's you know, the thing. Played, yeah, you the same thing. I, my point would be more maybe that you know th- that kind of football. I don't think that kind of football inspires players anymore either. I think they want to be playing attack and high intensity football. So yeah, I, I think my point would be maybe that what what brought him that relative success with Everton, I'm not so sure 
really players want to play that way. Definitely not some of the high-profile signings West Ham, like Fornals, Felipe Anderson. I can't see David Moyes inspiring them, you know what I mean? So It's funny, isn't it, about West Ham? I think every single year that we've been doing the pod, through every transfer window nearly, we've been saying, geez, that's an interesting signing. God, they've, they, you know, they could do something here. Maybe they'll kick on. Maybe something's going to be different. And it just... The whole project really just has not been working since they made that move, and that stadium's going to be a weight around their neck in the championship. Yeah, it will be, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's crack on. Let's talk about uh, City then. Um, You may have been disappointed that we weren't on during, um, well, all the drama that's surrounded City over the last little while. Um, I suppose just a, a bigger question... If, uh, most people will have heard all the details of it. Um, do you think it's going to be upheld, lads? Are they going to be in the Champions League next year? Peter? Um, yeah, without kind of rehashing what people would have heard or read. Personally, I, I, the cynic in, in me will, will say they'll get away with it and they've been building their case for a long, long time. They knew this was coming. It was no shock. And at worst, they'll be gone out of it for a season. They definitely won't be gone out of it for two, I don't think. But the, yeah, I personally think they'll, they'll get away with it will be, will be my um, my cynical view of it. Uh, and I, I'd say one season, probably. I mean, that's what happened to AC Milan, wasn't it? That was that was the first thing I thought when I saw that they'd given him the two-year ban. It was almost by design there to say, right, OK, well, appeal it and we'll knock it down to one, slap you on the wrist and, and that'll be that, you know. Um, I think what they might say is even it's, it's not next season, it's the season after next maybe as well. Um, I don't know. Again, that's probably just been a bit pedantic about it. But, um, yeah, I think they'll, they'll definitely slap it down to one year. Um, I, I don't think they'll fully let them get away with it. But, yeah, I think um, I think they'll appeal it. And as Pete says, I think they've had the case um, being built up for a long time. They're very quick to respond to it as well. So, yeah, there's definitely stuff going on behind the scenes there. Yeah, Pe- Pepper said he's going to stick around. He actually said that he may stick around beyond his current contract, which I think is a surprise to a lot of people. Um, is a year out going to be enough? I mean, obviously, he says he's going to be there. Will it be okay for the players, do you think, to stick around for a year out of the Champions League? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think a year would be would be pretty acceptable for most players, considering the wages City are going to be paying, and considering you know they're going to be in with a shout to win in the the Premier League and you know every domestic competition. Um, so it's a World Cup so, year yeah, as no, well, I, isn't I it? In the middle of it, so they might actually quite fancy a a bit of a break. Yeah, no European, no Europe. Jeez, I tell you one thing though. It's only clicked into my head now. Um, City will be a fearsome proposition in the league next year if they're not in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Jesus I, Christ! I never can you ima- can you imagine Pep having a whole week to train to train and have his players in? Jesus Christ! Players would lose their fucking minds. Anyway, that's, uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul Foden's not going to get looking at you know, if you ask <laughs> the cup games to play in. That's true. Uh, let's talk about their game then, uh, and I'll go to you. You were very impressed, obviously, with their one 0 win over Leicester. Yeah, again, it, it, there's not much you can say which you haven't already said about Man City before um, in the past. When you when you looked at that game, they were, I thought they were they were excellent. Um, Leicester are a very good side. I think again, we've said it a few times in matches Leicester have been involved in, particularly in the first half. It was two very confident attacking teams who were well versed and well drilled by the managers to only have that gear to attack. Um, so, you know, in that regard, the first half was very close. I was surprised that Leicester did tail off quite a lot in the second, but I think that's more a compliment to City, just sort of getting hold of it and and just dominating it in terms of possession, in terms of chances. I mean, you had 18 shots 
uh, as an away side, which is just ludicrous. Like, um, they were very good. I mean, I don't like all this talk of the, the VAR, this, you know, on, on the two penalties and the, the Bruyne with his hands up. I mean, there's an argument to say, you know, did either both a pen or neither a pen, but I just think that detracts from what was actually quite a decent game of football. Um, you know, which Pete was talking before about Moyes um, not being able to inspire with his brand of football, but if you're a young footballer watching that, that's two teams who play expansive, ambitious stuff and create chances at will. Vardy hits the post in the first minute. Riyad Mahrez was just pulling the strings and, you know, just absolutely dictating the pace for City. And, you know, once again, he just demonstrates how, how strong in depth their squad is, bringing on Jesus for Aguero and and him getting the goal. I mean, it's it's actually four games without a goal now for Aguero. Obviously, he missed a penalty as well, which is a bit of a drought for him. Um, but it doesn't really seem to hurt City. I mean, I think the only one they've had this season is Laporte, which has really kind of derailed them. But going forward as an attacking force, they just they seem to be kind of timeless, kind of evergreen. Although they haven't had the results this season to to that they had last season, I still think as an attacking force, they're probably still the best team in the in the Premier League. Yeah, to, um, to keep up that level with basically yeah. nothing to play for is actually very impressive. Yeah, exactly. This is the thing. And I genuinely thought Leicester would get something. Okay, City made the breakthrough late on. And as I say, Vardy had that chance. Uh, Madison went close with a free kick and stuff. But, you know, Leicester's not an easy place to go um, this season. So the fact that they've gone there and actually slowly got a chokehold of the game and dictated it in the second half, again, just reaffirms how, how, how well-versed they are. I think there's been a kind of narrative to... to I don't know, spin something in the background has been some kind of crisis in the squad building this season. And, you know, OK, they've lost Arteta. They've a couple of players short going into the season. I think not replacing company adequately was a big problem. But if you look at their players, really, I mean, OK, David Silva's going, Aguero's 31, 32, played a lot of football. But they've still got, a, you know, comfortably, in my opinion, the most sort of scintillating squad in the league uh, in terms of an, an attacking threat, how they play. So I think... Going forward, they've got absolutely no issues. I mean, the, the concern will be is if they strengthen um, going forward for next season. Um, but yeah, they've, they've, I don't really think I can add any more than what, what we've already said about City. Well, a, a quick word on Leicester then, Peter, because um, Anne said you know, it's a tough place to go, but they're actually on a, a poor enough run of form. That's just one win in the last five games. But do you think this, they still probably have enough of a cushion to uh, stay in the Champions League spots? Uh, yeah, I think like it was it was a strange game almost because like it would be a very big surprise for any of the teams from fourth down to seventh to go on a really consistent run to catch Leicester or to catch Man City. So even though it was like second against third in the Premier League, you know, towards the end of February, February where you'd think it would be a really big game, it was kind of a yeah, it was nice to watch, but like it was like there was ultimately nothing really on the line. It didn't matter who win, who won. You weren't going to say, oh, the other team's in trouble now. I, I think Leicester's good work over the first few months of the season combined with, you know, we've regularly referred to the likes of the other members of the so-called top six being the shit shows this season. Their co- complete inability to string together a consistent run of results means that I think Leicester will 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 be fine. Like you said, they've they've been going through a sticky patch the last couple of months. Um, it's not just the lack of points they've been picking up. It's kind of easy to pinpoint the reasons why. You know, Jamie Vardy hasn't scored, and I think it's eight games. Madison 
his goal involvements have, have completely fallen off around the same period and they're really, really missing um, Wilfred and Indeedy. There's no doubt about it. They don't they don't look half as good without without him and the team. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Rodgers has done a good job there. They still have plenty of talent. They've they've had a sticky patch, but they've just, yeah, I, I you know, they've built up a, a, a decent... A decent lead. I think it's what is it? Is it ten points? Am I right or wrong? I've actually stopped looking at it because I just. I'm a Man United fan. I look at the gap to Chelsea. I don't even contemplate where Leicester are. If you know what I mean. The, the, nine, um, the nine points clear, Pete, of, of fifth at the moment, Leicester. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it's yeah no I, I definitely think I think they'll be. I think they'll be absolutely fine, Sam. Uh, right, and just behind them are Chelsea, who uh, managed to get a very important win against Spurs. Uh, VAR reared its ugly head again, but uh, I think, um, and the player I want to talk about is uh, Giroud. Got got his goal, and uh, I, I just wonder, like, what does he have to do, what does he have to do to get a game? He seems like a perfect player, and I'm, I was surprised actually that nobody made a move for him at, in the uh, January transfer window. Yeah, I was too. Um, I, I genuinely think he was one of the players that um, Wenger signed in that sort of post um, sort of lull era that he added towards the end of his time at Arsenal. I think he's a very, very good footballer, Giroud. And there's been times I've been watching him this season, Chelsea, and there's been scratching my head as to what he's got to do to get a game because he's, he's a very good footballer. Okay, you know, he might be a bit more kind of route one. His numbers are great, though. He scores. He's scored a lot of goals, yeah. yeah. And he's a big game player as well. He's so experienced. You know, he's he's won a lot in the game. He's been around, very composed, very calm. Um, and I don't know. I, I just think sometimes it, if you're going to go for this youthful approach that Chelsea have done this season, and they've done it quite well at times, I do think it's nice to complement it with with more experienced season pros. Like Liverpool have got Milner, and he's still quite a you know an essential player in the team. And Henderson's now 29, 30. He's been around for a while. So you do still need that sort of senior element. You know, you don't have to play him every week. Don't get me wrong, but he'd only played 22 minutes of football in like Chelsea's last 12 games. And then they, they put him in such a big game and he scores a, a really, really well-taken goal. And he sort of, he, he gave Chelsea the out ball. He, he, he sort of, you know, fronted their attack, which again, at times they've looked, even with Abraham, in that position, he still looked a little bit blunt. And whether that's because Abraham doesn't want to be an out-and-out number nine, maybe he's coming too deep sometimes. I don't know. I mean, he also brought in the likes of Barkley and Mount. And I thought Barkley had a very good game for Chelsea. So there was that tactical switch that Lampard did. And I thought some of Barkley, uh, Barkley's link-up play was very good um, as well. So tactically, they did change things around quite a lot. But, you know, if you've got a player like Giroud in your team... Uh, you let him go to one of your rivals, sort of at your peril. I mean, I know somebody asked me about Lallana on, on these pods earlier on, and I, I said I'd keep him at Liverpool. It looks like he's going to go now. But I said I'd keep him because, you know, you, you let a lot of experience go. You let a lot of know-how go from the team. And I think with him, you know, if, if you were, even Man United, you know, you ended up getting a Gallo. Um, oh, I'd have had Giroud all day long if he was... Yeah, yeah, exactly. He'd been a quality signer for you. Really good mentality as well. Really good attitude. Very composed. and Really handsome as well. Yeah, he's beautiful. Yeah, There's no doubt about it. But lads, you have to feel a bit sorry for him in a way because, like you said, he's a decent record um, of scoring goals in the Premier League. Like it's like no manager apart from Didier Deschamps has ever really trusted him completely. He was coming off the bench for Arsenal so often. I think he's I think he's right up there with the most goals as a sub. If if I'm right, um, yeah, in the Premier I think that's League. right. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, he goes to Chelsea, but then Conte never really trusted him. Sarri didn't trust him. Lampard, I, I don't know. I think Lampard, because he wants to play, like you said, and that youthful style of, you know, high pressing where the front man has to be really mobile. Um, like, for example, you know, Giroud wouldn't be suited to play in a Jurgen Klopp team, say, for example, where, oh. where everyone expected to press and stuff like that. But, like you said, there's a time and a place for him because in terms of his ability, like he's almost a dying breed. The centre-forwards that are really good at playing with their back to goal, you know, occupying the two central defenders, holding it up. Like, in terms of wall passing from, from you know, whether it's the wide players or the centre midfielders, there's not really many pay- players better than him. In terms of if he gets a chance with a header in the box... Not many players better, and he scored an absolutely beautiful header in the Europa League final last season. Yeah, and I remember, um, like even Aiden Hazard last season used to say he's his favourite striker to play for, play with, because Hazard just turns inside, pass it into Giroud, and he knows he can run onto it and be flicked onto him or, or passed back to him. So he, he's been he's been really unlucky, and I, like even I don't, you know, you're not going. I wasn't really going in hoping either Chelsea or Spurs won that game. I would have rather to draw probably, but. You have to, it, you know, when you see a player like that that's basically been ostracised, Lampard wanted to sell him. Chel, you know, whatever, Chelsea couldn't get another player in because he had to, he had to, um, because they they just couldn't get a striker over the line, so they wouldn't let Gir- Giroud uh, leave. So to see him come back in and, you know, he scored a good goal against Man United that was disallowed, got his chance because that's why he just isn't at the required level. Um, but Jesus, like Lampard's just shunned him for so long. He wasn't even in the squads for long par- parts uh, um, under him. So to see him come back and, and get such a good goal was um, was really good. Now, I have to say, Toby Alderworld, if you're getting spun in behind by by um, <laughs> Olivier Giroud, it's probably time to hang up the boots, mate. That's embarrassing for, for a, a centre-back, you know, as good as the pass as, as it was from, from Giorgino. But yeah. Really happy for him, and I think maybe, I maybe Lampard needs to learn a bit like that from this because he wouldn't be the first manager that a player that you kind of ignore and ignore comes in from the cold, and all of a sudden you go, we're a much better player with him in our team. I granted he'll have to change his playing style a bit, but the playing style that he, Lampard's vision it hasn't really been working for Chelsea for the last few months. They're not creating or even taking chances when they get it. And he makes other attacking players better, and he's a decent finisher. So maybe Lampard, it can be a lesson for him that, you know, sometimes I need to maybe forsake that clear vision I have of how I team, how the, you know, how I want my teams to play and kind of make the best, change my system to utilise the strengths of, of, of a player. Do you know the game like I spoke, you know, you know, if Abraham's struggling with injury in form, he's he looks like a he look Chelsea are on tonight. I don't know if he started. Yeah, you know, just when we're recording the pod, they're playing. But um, yeah, I, if Lampard, Chelsea have been on a terrible run. If they're going to regain their their form, I, I think Oliver Giroud will, will be a crucial part of that. I was just going to say, yeah, the, the game I fought, um, I, I was watched um, Chelsea Arsenal the two two game at um, Stamford Bridge and they were terrible that game Chelsea really bereft the quality and I just thought he needed somebody like him like an old warhorse to come out and okay he's not going to sort of do any of the midfield stuff but he might be able to like go around and calm a few players down I mean he's he's been around for so long he's played in them games his whole career and as you say you know just just, just keeping your system for the sake of keeping your system 
you know, Lampard is still learning on the job, I guess. But, you know, I think he does he does sort of lose something in not playing Giroud, definitely. What about Spurs then? I mean, uh, a win for them would have been huge in that game. Um, but they're not on a, on a terrible run, but, uh, you know, Mourinho's back at it again, saying they have absolutely no strikers at all. Um, what, what are their top four chances looking like, Peter? Um, I I think that they'll, they'll struggle. Um, look, there's no denying losing Harry Kane was was a massive blow because it's been well publicised. You know, even over Pochettino's time, that they don't have a, another kind of out and out striker t- to come in when Harry Kane's out injured. And then, you know, t- to lose Son was an absolute ha- hammer blow. You know, so Mora playing up front. But you know, you have to say, Marine. You know, there was all this talk before he came in. He was going to change his philosophy. I don't think anyone really bought it, and and it's it's quite clear that 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 hasn't been the way. They just seem to be pumping long balls up to to Lucas Moura, who can't do much with them. Um, I actually thought Bergwijn did quite well in that game, even though he was he was starved of service. Whatever little bits came his way, he he kind of did well with. But they're they're a hard watch for us. There's nothing about them at the moment. Um, their defense is is shockingly poor. I think they've they've kept two clean sheets in fifteen odd games since since Mourinho came in. Even you know the part you think okay Mourinho's coming in at least they'll they'll shore up at the back. But for Tonga and Alderweireld, they look their their form is just falling off a cliff. They look like they've aged so much this season. Um, you've got the likes of Rea there, Arier there. Um, Ben Davis was really poor in, in I thought at times during that Spurs game and or sorry Chelsea game and they maybe just about get over the line against the lesser teams and kind of get close to the top four but they, they'll keep dropping back. Another really alarming stat with Mourinho is that he's only won one game out of his last ten against top six opposition, um, which is That's you know you think yeah. back you think back you know nobody wanted to play a whole like if you were a when he was at Chelsea, he, all of us in this pod were going, oh, no, here we go. You know, it's it's completely changed now. It, it does look very much so that Mourinho's tactics have become very outdated. It's like his tactics are an MP3 and everyone else is, you know, using an iPhone or whatever it might be. But it, it's it's just maybe that's not the best comparison. But you know what I mean? It's just they just don't yeah, yeah. like every, football just seems to have moved on in terms of the attacking patterns that the the high press that's that's so prevalent with with uh, top teams these days and Marie, Chelsea Spurs are so reactive. Like I remember seeing it in e- like even in one of the first games that that they played. It's like as soon as the opposition gets the ball, even at the back, whereas all teams now are going up and pressing in packs or with tri- you know we've all heard the trigger player and all that, but there doesn't seem to be any coherent plan for Spurs except to kind of drop back and. and be reactive, which is, you know, it just seems like a continuation of kind of the latter stages of his, of his Man United reign. Um, and it's hard to see it turn around massively because that squad, you know, we talked for a long time in the pod about that squad kind of being flogged into the ground almost over the years. And when he came in, there was a few people were saying, and it wasn't the worst point, that maybe he'd actually get the best out of that squad now. But it, it the more you look at it, it... it needs to be ripped up and um, there's just such a massive amount of work needed and like you said Sam he's he's kind of his press conferences he's already in kind of self-protection mode and yeah it's it's um it's, I think that record that record Peter atrocious though you've just said that one win in ten I think that highlights just how kind of 
um, outdated and almost how Fox and how forty he's become against some of these big teams. Um, yeah, yeah. What was their record? Um, so Spurs, they've only won one of the past thirty-four games in all competitions against Chelsea, um, which is just crazy. Yeah, I... Like you know, the, ment- the mentality of that team is really weak. And like we were talking before about Moyes, being, like, managers need to be able to lift teams a little bit. And I think Mourinho has always been like this tactical. You know, sort of disciple. You know, he, back in the day. He, yeah, he not for a long time though, has he? He's a, he's a positivity yeah, vacuum now, isn't he? Yeah, and you've, you've got to be able to lift players like now. You know, like I used to hate it when like you, you know, oh that striker just needs an arm round him. He's one of those strikers who needs to he needs to cuddle off the manager. That used to really annoy me. But actually, since we've had Klopp and like since I've seen other managers come in, like uh, Simeone is a good example of somebody who just instills this mentality into a, into a team and. I think you need to be inspired sometimes by the manager, not not here and making a, a stack load of excuses like Mourinho did after the game against Chelsea when, as Pete says, he was just dire, like it was recycled possession and toothless passes for 90 minutes. If you're a Spurs yeah. fan, I mean, I, I'd be worried about that if I was a Spurs fan. You know, to be really fair, really as you said, though, uh, Sam, it's it's probably Mourinho's a massive partner and that record of 10 games goes back to, to Man United. But that Spurs team, even in their pomp, where really, really poor away from home against other top six teams. Mauricio Pochettino's record shocking yeah. as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a new occurrence, but I, I, I'd agree with Ant, they need to be inspired. I think the problem with Mourinho is when he goes on these kind of woe betide me kind of press conferences and stuff, you wouldn't maybe wouldn't mind it sometimes with a manager coming out and saying you know playing down his his, his you know expectations and stuff, but then going in and like you know building that siege mentality behind the scenes. And I think that's what Mourinho used to do. Like in his early days, players used to say they would die from. I think nowadays, even his, probably his demeanor behind behind the scenes, it's not that I'm saying one thing in the press and I'm going behind. And saying, look, lads, don't listen to that. We can actually win this. I think he's just, that's kind of the way he is all the time. And, yeah, he's you know, forgetting the second looked, part of it. Exactly. Deli Ali looked really good for his first few games. But now Deli Ali seems to be, you know, he was dropped after, he drew a drop after being taken off against Leipzig. And um, yeah, the Leipzig performance was really lifeless. It's like, yeah, he's just going to hide behind the fact that. That's that the thing, too, isn't it? Have, I actually think he had a chance of the Champions yeah. League when him in Mourinho again because that, that was his bread and butter. But again, as Sam says, it was such a long time ago. And I think because maybe we're all old farts now, you know, it, it still seems quite recent, doesn't it? You know, like that success. Yeah. But actually, if you look at it, it, it is quite a and, while ago, isn't it? But was it, was it 2013-14 that, that, that his Chelsea team walked to the Premier League title? No, that was, uh, I think it was the year, was it the year after that? Well, yeah. even more so then, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's only five or six years ago, you know what I mean? So it's not, I know he, I know he he had his histrionics there um, in the in his kind of third season back, classic third season syndrome, but that kind of third, you know, there was like a normal course with Mourinho. He'd come in, improve you straight away, probably hit his peak in the second season, and then it would all go to shit in the third season. But the way it's going now, you, you think like he's going to have third month season almost at Spurs. The whole Mourinho process <laughs> seems to have been sped up almost. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I really don't know where where they go from here. To be honest, uh, maybe, maybe a season out of the Champions League and a, a, you know a rebuilding and all that kind of stuff mightn't be the worst thing for them. But uh, we're kind of running a little bit long, so I think I'm just going to do one big quiz at the end and go straight into United now. So, Peter, United. They've won games, they've scored goals, um, some nice goals, and we've taken a corner that's beaten a man and we've scored directly from it. Bruno Fernandes, what a hero. Ah, what a man, what a man. He's he's a he's a ray of ray of sunshine, a ray of light in a in a dark, dark valley. Jesus, when I saw oh, that yeah. ball clear the first man, I just I, I was out of my seat, <laughs> never mind when the ball went in the back of the net. <laughs> you got you like that was kind of my you're obviously talking about the Chelsea game. The Chelsea game, yeah. I mean, you know, I thought he was... He's an interesting player, actually. He, he Like, he moves the ball so quickly, and he's actually bigger than I thought he was as well. He's, uh, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting overexcited because I haven't seen anything that good in so long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of expected that we, we'd make him, we'd drag him down to our level, but it seems to be maybe he's going to drag us up a little bit. Um, yeah, you know yourself, when, you, when you're playing... When a new player comes into the team that, that's full of life and creativity, it, it brings out the best in, in other players, especially a kind of young and inexperienced team like United. But like you're saying about the Chelsea corner, Sam, that's been something that's been really pissing me off over the course of the season, basically. is like Harry, Harry Maguire is, you know, you saw him with England in the World Cups, with Leicester last season, almost unplayable at times from corners and um, one of the best in the league and, and like we just haven't been able to hit him at all just a lack of quality deliveries or even you know being able to engineer some you know one-on-one situations from or anything so it was great to see that goal it was a whip delivery and a, and a great he- header by Maguire and to be fair Marshall's header was very very good almost uncharacteristic you wouldn't you don't really associate that kind of goal with, with Marshall. I know he wants to be a striker, but you don't see him kind of beating his man at the front post and, and glancing a header in. So, obviously, the week started well with with the win out of che- over Chelsea because we would have went nine points uh, behind and that would have been all Game she over, wrote yeah, kind of yeah. in terms of top four hopes. Um, I, I do think Chelsea were really, really poor in that game. Um, with a striker, they, they could have been one up at least by the time we got our goal and um, there was a couple of contentious VAR decisions, both right in the end, but you know, very very fine margins. I don't think that you know. I thought United didn't weren't we weren't brilliant in that game, but it was a very good result. Bruges was uh, was brutal to watch, if I'm honest. <laughs> he, he did he rang the changes, but Fernandez came on for the last ten minutes, and I I'd, I'd actually I gone out to the bathroom and I came back in, so I didn't see him coming on, but. He got the ball, but a player, I just saw a player at that stage because I'd only been come back into the room. He played this really imaginative t- pass over the top to one matter, waited, waited, waited. Matter took it down, he was flagged offside, but I was I went, that's not Pereira, it can't be Pereira. It's not Lingard either. Like they I just knew they wouldn't even have attempted the pass. And sure enough, okay, it's 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 Bruno Fernandez. But he he, he really brightened the game up. United looked like actually going on to win it when he was coming on. Just try and, you know, just try and passes that other players in that Man United team, one, don't see, and two, even if they did see them, just wouldn't have the wouldn't have the cojones to actually, or the ability to execute the pass. It, it, it's so, just the speed, I think, that with which he receives the ball and, and moves it on or else drives into space. It's just something that we haven't seen. We've been so pedestrian 
yeah. so predictable for such a long time. It's just a, uh, it's exciting to see. And and I guess then another exciting point was the uh, the final goal in the Watford game. Your man Mason scoring again. Yeah, in off the crossbar. You know the, you, you know my feelings about in off the crossbar. <laughs> um, I just love it, and it was a cracking strike. I, I I'm not going to brush ahead of of Bruno Fernandez. You know, Giorgino esque penalty as well. That was that was good to see. Um, and and Marshall's goal was yeah, his chip you know, was Marshall's very goal was, was brilliant. Three goals that were all very different, but all very very satisfying. And it was I'm actually this I haven't said a negative thing yet about my <laughs> and I've been talking for two minutes. But I what what was good? Look, all the problems haven't gone away overnight. Just with Bruno Fernandez, it's it's been it's positive to have him there for sure. He looks a good player. You know, we've even have other people, you know, mates who are fans of other clubs going, "Geez, that fella looks like a player." But um, it, it was good to beat Watford because for so long under Solskjaer, especially this season, you know, there's been results like that Chelsea won. As much as I don't, I mean, you know, don't think Solskjaer is a, is a very good manager you can't deny his record against the top six is 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 superb since he came into the club but it seems so far this season that every time we've had a good result like the Chelsea one we the next result will be the next performance and result will be abject and I think a lot of United fans were very fearful that Watford would either come and draw or beat us because that's kind of the way things have been one step forward two steps back so it was really, really good to get that win and just build on the bit of momentum from the Chelsea game, you know. Um, because in around them kind of fourth to, to seventh or eighth spots, you win a couple of games, you shoot up the league because everyone else is, is so inconsistent. So um, that that was really satisfying to, to see us get, get get the win because I think the first kind of Fernandez's penalty was not long before half time, And I think the feeling in the ground, you could even sense it that it was pretty abject apart from when he was on the ball. There was a lot of sideways pass and a lot of the ball being going, you know, the, a lot of um, a, a lot of misplaced passes and stuff. So his goal really lifted us for the for the second half and then to, to get two more fine goals was it was it was a good day's work, Sam. Uh thoughts on top four? I mean, let's just forget about fifth possibly being in Champions League spot. Can they finish top four? Um Yeah, I'm a lot more confident right now than I would have been a, a week ago um, I think ultimately we might just fall short um, if if I'm honest I think the Thursday-Sunday thing can, can be a bit ropey, depends how far we go in the Europa League I definitely don't think we'll win the Europa team, League I think a Spanish or Italian team will, will, will have too much for us in that competition um, I think we'll think we'll fall just short, Sam. We, if, I know you said we'll just assume that fifth place, but I think if fifth place is up for grabs, we've we, we a very good chance um, of of getting that. But I think Chelsea will probably they've probably have enough to, to just stay ahead of us. Um, I think Wolves are the best team from eight to fourth. Uh, I think they might have a run at it as well if they're not too occupied with the Europa League. They have a very small squad as well. Um, but I don't fancy Spurs... Sheffield United have been brilliant, but I don't think they'll be able to to last. I don't know, Sam. I'm going to turn the turn the tables on you. You're a Man United fan. Do you think we'll finish top four? I think uh, I I kind of look behind as well, rather than I actually look behind rather than at Chelsea because I think that 
I, I think they're too inconsistent. And I think that... And you mentioned it in the WhatsApp group a while back. We didn't get to chat about it when we were talking about Chelsea. But uh, I think Lampard's been found out a little bit. And I don't know yeah. if they're... Uh, I don't know what kind of run they're going to go on to the end of the season. But I think that they might be hauled in. Maybe not by... Uh, Maybe not by Spurs, but I think Wolves and Sheffield United and United will be there, thereabouts, battling now for that fourth and fifth spot. Uh, anyway, uh, let's crack on. We'll do Prick of the Week in just a minute, but first, let's do uh, let's do a quiz, shall we? Let's do it. Right then, player number one began his playing career at uh, Nottingham Forest. And? And? I'm going to go for Stan Collymore. Not Stan Collymore, no. Uh, went from Forest to Liverpool. Peter. Peter. Nigel Clough. It is Nigel Clough. Very good. Very good. Uh, went on to City, back to Forest and Lowe on Wednesday and finished up at Burton Albion. Good. Uh, this next player began his career at a club called MP. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, went from there to HJK. <laughs> and. And. Yari Lipmanen. No. Uh, went from there. Peter. Peter. I don't Good Johnson. No. And. And. Sammy Hibbia. No. Went from there to. And. Those are Finnish players. Went from there to. And. Squad. Timu Puki. Who? Timu Puki. No, it wasn't. No. Went from there. Just let me get this one out. Went from there to FC Yockert. And then went to Stockport County. <laughs> Obviously, the classic, the classic route. Uh, then from there went to Sheffield Wednesday. Peter. Peter. Shefki Kuki. It is indeed very good. Two oh. for two. All right. Uh, get your uh, get your skates on, and this next player began his career at Ajax. That could be anybody. Yeah. Went from Ajax to Sporting Lisbon, for whom he never played. Sure, he just didn't actually go away for a weekend to Portugal. <laughs> just for a holiday, yeah. Uh, while he was there, he had a short spell at uh, Real Zaragoza. And then... Peter. When, Peter. Roy, no, it's not Roy McCoy, is it? No. And went from there to Milan. Peter. Peter. Irby or Manuelson? No. And That's he, great show, by the way. He went uh, from Milan to finish his career back at Ajax. Very strange one. So he played 205 times for Ajax before going to Sporting Lisbon, never played for them, then went on loan, had 11 appearances for Real Zaragoza, and then went to Milan for whom he played 142 times. So I'm not sure what was going on in those two that year he had away. Went back to Ajax, played a further 56 times before retiring. Dutch International, I'll take it. Dutch International played for them 73 times, scoring 10 goals. What the hell? He stumped us here. After uh, finished his playing career, went into management. <laughs> Actually started uh, his managerial career with the national team. And then managed Sparta Rotterdam. And managed Barcelona. And managed... Galatasaray. Peter. Peter. Frank Rijkaard. It's Frank Rijkaard, yes indeed. Well, yeah, no, I was going to say that at the start, but for some reason I thought that he managed, that 
Yeah, I got it in my head that maybe he played for Barcelona before, but obviously not. There you go. Uh, so the story that with uh, with Sporting Lisbon was that he was uh, signed by Sporting Lisbon, but he signed too late to be eligible eligible to play in any competition. So he was immediately loaned out, loaned out to Real Zaragoza, and then after he'd finished his season there, he was signed by AC Milan. Fascinating. Funny Jesus. one. So that, that's the quiz. Let's finish up as we always do with prick of the week and Ant commiseration prize. You can go first. Uh, I'm just, I haven't really got a massive one for this week, but I'm just going to go, and it's not just because they were brilliant last night, but just going to go with West Ham in general because they, they came <laughs> to Anfield and played amazing, like Trojans. The week before, they lay down and died against City. They've done that a few times. And I'm just, I'm in the Gary Neville school of thought where if you can play like that one week, you can play that every week as far as I'm concerned. So they wouldn't be in that relegation trouble if they tried like that every week instead of just coming to Anfield and having the usual one game a season against Liverpool. So West Ham, you're all a bunch of pricks. (laughs) Fair enough. Peter? I think I'm actually going to make it a a VAR 1-2 this week. I've never done this before on either the opening segment or the closing one, but you just can't, you, you just can't ignore the ridiculousness of what happened with the with the Lo Celso challenge on Asquilla Preta and the, in the in the Chelsea Spurs game, an absolutely horrific stamp um, on Asquilla Preta, and then you know, and it, 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 it comes it comes a week after the Harry Maguire kicking the balls as well. Yeah, that, well, I know didn't that that should have been you know letter of the law that probably. Should have been ascending off as well. I'd agree, but this was this was way worse. That you know, this was kind of this was a deliberate stamp. Um, I think I think the Harry Maguire one. If you're on the ground and someone is going to fall on top of you, there is a bit of a reaction to to straighten your leg. I still think he should have been sent off. I'm not saying that, but it, you know, this was dirty and malicious what Los Celso did. Um. You know, you're you're scraping your studs down someone's shin bone, basically. Uh, so it, way, way worse. You know, the the, the PGMOL come out halfway through, say, look, it it was the right decision that he wasn't sent off, even after we reviewed it, because uh, he had nowhere else to put his leg um, <laughs> or to land his foot was was their argument. And then within a few minutes, they come out and release a statement and said they got it wrong. So just VAR, it's it's absolute worse. And not even just VAR, just VAR's just shown replays. It's the actual incompetence of the PGMOL um, throughout the season has made, you know, the Premier League's use of it something of a laughing stock. Um, you know, they just refuse to to take the bits that work from, from the European leagues and apply it here. They just have to be different. Um, and it's it's just there's so many ridiculous ridiculous calls. I said it before. I'll say it again. There's the whole idea of VAR was to so with with contentious decisions, we you know that 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 the right decision will be made after reviewing it. But it's it's like you can't even trust VAR anymore. You know, not even with subjective calls, even stuff that is supposed to be black and white. You still just don't trust a lot of what they come up with. So. Uh, yeah, just an absolute, an absolute shit show of a of a VAR scenario. So VAR and West Ham, a bunch of pricks, and uh, I think that's as good a place to leave it as any. We will be back again with regular pods, and of course, Peter, the nineties uh, uh, nostalgia pod is uh, in full flow. Who's up on the show this week? 
Well, I I'm I can't give away a secret, but it's a it's a it's a legendary '90s Premier League hard man. So uh, yeah, make sure you make sure you tune in. It's a uh, it, it's a good one. And myself and Ant are having having great fun looking up these players walking down memory lane and and and, and chewing the fat about them. So uh, we we've got a we've got another one lined up this week that'll come out next week. So make sure you you tune in. Nice one. So uh, keep subscribed. Make sure you subscribe to us on all the usual platforms and you'll get both this pod and the 90s Nostalgia pod directly into your feed every single time. Uh, just time to say thanks to Peter. Thanks, Peter. Cheers, lads. Enjoyed that. Cheers, Lance. Thanks, lads. Cheers. Thank, thank you for listening and goodbye from me. We'll see you next time.